The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, it's a huge week for the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party commences on Jacksonville this weekend. Fall break is in store for both universities. Both teams are coming off a bye week. A top 10 matchup, really the biggest game of the weekend. So let's just dive right into it, man. Wow, what an interesting situation. Florida ranked 6th, Georgia ranked 8th. Florida has the better record because they've played one more game. They're 7-1, and one. Georgia's 6-1. and one. Yet Georgia opened as a 6.5-point favorite. The line dropped down to about 4, and now it's all the way back up to 6.5. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season that Florida would be ranked ahead of Georgia heading into this game and that really everybody would be talking about how Georgia needs to play their best game of the season to upset the Gators. It's going to be an awesome football game, and I'm happy about it. I mean, it, like you said, at the beginning of the season, it was it was Georgia and then everyone else in the East. No yep. one gave Florida an opportunity, Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina. It was kind of like, you know, where are those teams? Are they – it's not just where are they, but how far behind are they was the real question. Honestly, the way Georgia's recruiting, obviously the success they've had, getting to the national championship and winning SEC championships. It's like these guys need to make it more competitive. Just from an aspect, too, of the West is dominating. The West has a ton of good football teams. Who in the East can be kind of Georgia's LSU? You know, you got Alabama LSU. And A&M, I think we both agree, is going to start flirting – as one of the top teams in the SEC here in the near future, but who can be the counter in the East to really kind of balance off the SEC? And I think Florida's ahead of schedule and and not tune my own horn, my own horn here, but I said at the beginning of the year, I think this team is good enough to to make a run in the SEC just based on what we saw last year and what and the success that Dan Mullen had in his first season. So I'm happy. I really am. I'm happy that this is going to be a really good game. Some people always, you know, want a, a blowout. They want Georgia to go in there and win every game by 50 points. And I understand <laughs> you you want a W, but I also want to be entertained. Man. Yeah. I want to watch a football game for four quarters and at the end of it say win or loss. That was an awesome football game. I'm glad I was a fan of that. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I went to it, whatever it is. And I, I, I promise you this game in Jacksonville this weekend, I know you think it could be a lopsided battle. You think Georgia can win by 10, but I think this is going to be pretty darn close. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game until the end of the game. I, I think Georgia scores late to pull away. We'll break everything down. Where I want to start, or really the question I want to ask you from a quarterback's perspective, I know everybody's reading all the great articles that beat writers are putting out. Everybody's watching all of the breakdowns that are on ESPN, CBS, and the like. And my biggest question to you right now, we talked to Trey Burton last night. You and I did. Trey Burton, former Florida Gator tight end, who was also the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. And funny enough, when they won the Super Bowl, their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, got injured, and then Nick Foles took over, rode a hot streak all the way to beat the Patriots and win Super Bowl 51. Florida's kind of in a very similar spot because Felipe Franks was injured, and then Kyle Trask has taken over. Aaron, he's completed 67% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, only four interceptions this locker room clearly believes in him Dan Mullen obviously believes in him I question what the hell Dan Mullen was watching not starting Kyle Trask over Felipe Franks whatever he saw in practice clearly Franks won the job and then Trask has taken his opportunity and catapulted the Gators into an almost top five ranking all right my question though with all that being said is do you take Kyle Trask over Jake Fromm heading into the game this weekend. This is Jake's third start. He beat Florida 42-7 to in 2017, and then last year 36-17. to this isn't, this isn't Major League Baseball where it's pitcher versus pitcher. I mean, yeah. This is a team football game, and, and both these offenses are very, very different. Jake Fromm is not going to throw the ball nearly as much as Kyle Trask. And, 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 and for Georgia fans, knock on wood, you're hoping he doesn't because that sure. means the running game is going. I'm going to go back to, for me, the, the overall key for the game is not how Jake Fromm plays. I think Jake Fromm will be fine. Jake Fromm kind of had his one game this year versus South Carolina. You go back to last season. Three he had picks. That one, he had that one game QB versus LSU. Exchange. Oh, God. He, he had the one game versus LSU, turned it around, had a tremendous rest of the season. He got out of his system. It was his one pass, and let's move on from that. I think he's going to be very determined, very ready. He's a very accurate quarterback. I think he can handle himself just fine. This is the game where Georgia's offensive line, if you're going to go out there and say you're the best offensive line in the country, yep. if you're the best offensive line and, and yada, yada, we got five guys that are 6'4 to 6'6 six, six and 340 pounds. And, oh, by the way, we have two guys behind them that can start anywhere else in the country. Enough with the talking. Go out there and prove it. This is your opportunity to dominate a really good defensive line. Zuniga's back. Some other players on the defense are back. You must control the game. This game goes where the offensive line takes them. Yeah. Because if you're going to tell me that Georgia is going to win this game by Jake Fromm throwing the ball 30 to 35 times, not going to happen. They will lose. So you can't compare Jake Fromm and Trask because Trask is going to have to throw the ball 30 to 35 times or more. Yeah. For Florida to win. That's, but that's their offense. Their offense, their run game is more the RPOs. Their run game is throwing bubbles and slants and, quick hitches and quick smoke screen routes. I mean, that's, that's their run game. Very different than the Georgia pounded out run game. So that's why, like I said, I can't compare the quarterbacks, uh, but for Georgia, that offense line is going to have to have their best. Day, I think. Yeah. I like what you're saying there and both teams as healthy as they, as they have been since the beginning of the season for Florida, Kadarius, Tony is back. And then on the defensive line, both of their pass rushers, John Grenard and Jabari Zaniga are back. They have been dealing with sideline injuries, expected to play. Georgia has to run at those guys, get out to the perimeter, and hopefully bust some 
long gains and just getting to third and manageable. I want to ask you this, all right, because everybody's going to be either in the stadium watching the game or at home watching the game. Georgia probably is going to open up their first 15-play script trying to establish the run game. If they don't, right, and if they get stuff, stuff, pass, punt, next time they're out, stuff, stuff, or maybe five-yard stuff, run, fourth down, punt, is that something that as a quarterback— I'm lost, by you, the way. I'm so lost. You So many stuffs and passes and runs. Exactly. And I'm, the I'm, whole point I'm messing is, with you. The whole point <laughs> is uh, they're not getting the run game going in the first two drives. Yes. Is that something as a quarterback you sit there and go, oh, shit, I'm in for a long day? Or can you really kind of get those guys going, offensive line coach, calm them down a little bit, say, guys, we have it right here. Let's develop this run game, or is it more so, hey, we're going to find out what happens with Georgia's run game in the first five plays of the game? I think, I think you, you stay committed to it. I don't think if, the, if you go maybe one first down, then you, you have to punt the ball after that, and the next series is a three and out, and you know the running backs have five carries for averaging three yards per carry. I don't think you freak out. I, yeah. think, I think this is a game where it's – and you said at the beginning, this is going to be a four-quarter battle, and I think we both agree on that, where some big play is going to happen in the fourth quarter that could possibly open this up, and that's why, 100% that's why I think you, you can't – you can't get away from it because I think, and I'll take it back to to when we played Alabama, and and I just think that's a great example. Two thousand twelve SEC championship. Yeah, I think our defense was dominating, dominating. We were playing well offensively. We were running the ball, and then all of a sudden, fourth quarter clicked, and Alabama those three yard gains there popping off on on first and second down started turning the eight yard gains and ten yard gains and twelve yard gains, and then moving the ball over and over and over again. I mean we knew what they were doing and we had a great defense. I mean, we had like three or four dudes drafted off that defense that year. They were worn out by the time the fourth quarter came. So I think that's kind of their mentality is we just need to get this to the fourth quarter, running our offense, not turning the football over, make sure this thing is close. And and with our deep backfield and with our talented offensive line, we will benefit from that because of how worn down this defense is going to be. So yeah, don't shy away from it. Don't get scared. But at the end of the day, too, you got to hope your defense balls out. No doubt. Because at the end, if you can't get the run game going and you're not scoring points, and all of a sudden, say, Florida comes out there and starts balling out and makes you kind of get out of your comfort zone, and then all of a sudden, Jake Fromm's throwing it left and right, that's not a good thing. This, to me, must be for Georgia to win a low-scoring defensive battle it out and then the run game take over in the fourth quarter yeah i mean that is their recipe for success seth emerson put out a great article for the athletic uh yesterday and he must be listening to the podcast because monday i talked with ryan skates about kirby smart's record against dan mullen dating back to when kirby was the defensive coordinator at alabama and dan mullen was the offensive coordinator at florida and then when mullen went to be the head coach at mississippi state and Kirby was the defensive coordinator at Alabama, and then Dan Mullen was the head coach at Mississippi State, Kirby was the head coach at Georgia, and then, of course, last year, the first matchup with them both being the head coaches at Georgia and Florida. And Seth dove into it a little bit more deep than I have just by saying, hey, look at what's happened, who's won the most games, and how the offense of Dan Mullen has performed against Kirby Smart's defense. And yes, Aaron, you and I have talked about it. You were also quick to point out He was coaching Alabama. There is a significant talent difference. I get that, okay? But I think that only goes so far because this is more so a schematic difference. And Seth pointed out the best thing that Kirby Smart has going for him as a defensive play caller against Dan Mullen's offenses is how much he has limited 
the explosive plays of Dan Mullen's offenses. Mm. And when Dan Mullen's offenses put up big numbers and win games against better competition that they're going up against, and by all accounts, break down the rosters, break down the talent. Georgia does have a better roster heading into this game. If they have explosive plays of 25 or even 50 yards, Florida has, I believe, four plays of 50-plus yards on offense so far this season. The odds tilt into Florida's favor. Kirby Smart's defenses have really bottled up Dan Mullen's offenses regardless of where he has been. How do you think Dan Mullen can attack and make sure that Kirby Smart's defenses don't know what's coming and maybe catch them off guard to break off a 25 or 50 plus yard play because those are the types that really bust games wide open. Well, I, th- I think it starts with their, their tight end pits and, and yeah. where you see him getting formationed. Uh, and George just had the opportunity to watch a lot of film and see how they kind of use the tight end to be in a, a single receiver side to put him in number two, number three. They kind of match him up all over the place. And I think he's a matchup nightmare. I, I, I love how they've used him to create some one-on-ones either with him or say with one of their, their speedy receivers in the slot. So I think that's going to be the the big challenge for Georgia's defense. And, and I'm going to be kind of looking and chart, charting that too of where do you see Pitts? If I'm a, if I'm a fan, watching, I mean Florida has the football. Where is the tight end going? Where in my, where does Dan Mullen think he can get that matchup? Because you see it in the NFL, you see it in college now too. Those guys are so dangerous if a team wants to play man-to-man coverage or even zone. I mean, go back to the Auburn game, the way that the big touchdown that that Florida State – or Florida, excuse me, Florida started off with, they put Pitts backside, put their receiver as the number three guy in the slot, and matched him one-on-one with a linebacker. No linebacker is going to cover any of those receivers in the slot. So I think he does a great job kind of with the formations, and I think that's kind of how you create some of those big plays – in the past game. All right. On the flip side, I, I, I just really think based on history, Kirby has the advantage over Dan Mullen as a head coach on the flip side. And I think a lot of Georgia players would point to this as the place where they are most worried. James Coley, the Bulldogs offensive coordinator against Todd Grantham and our boy, Christian Robinson, defensive coordinator, and then linebackers coach for the Florida Gators. Everybody knows about third and Grantham. Look, they've lived through it. Everybody knows how aggressive he is, but also everybody knows how much talent he has on that defensive side of the ball. Most notably, the defensive backs, long rangey athletic guys who are going to play man against Georgia's inexperienced receivers and force that run game to really settle in and dig their heels in. And then when they're going to make front pass, boy, they're going to try to get after him and make him make bad decisions is that as clear as a disadvantage for Georgia Coley against Grantham as much as I think an advantage is Kirby versus Dan Mullen I think so I think Todd I think Todd is a a a pretty good game planner I think he's had two weeks to kind of design some of his fun exotic blitzes and I think he has skill I think they're healthy on that side of the football I think that's the biggest thing it's not always about you know the, the players on the field but can you put them in the right situation and do you have your best players out there to kind of execute your game plan. I think he's been a little handcuffed these past couple of weeks with all the Gators on the sideline, not being able to play. For so sure. now he has all of his guys healthy. He can bring out his entire playbook and, and those dudes are fast and physical. They can get after the quarterback on the outside uh, from the defensive end perspective. And then they also can play tight man to man coverage. And that's, that's the thing that gives Georgia issues teams that can play tight man to man and, and that, and then force Jake from to hold the ball in for four or five seconds, because 
Jake Fromm is a tremendous quarterback, and Jake Fromm can do everything but one thing. He can't extend the play with his legs. Yeah. If Jake has to hold the ball for four or five seconds in the pocket, he doesn't have the escapability of certain quarterbacks like a Joe Burrow, like a Tua, like a Herbert, and some of these other guys that can get out of the pocket, throw in the run, or even create plays with their legs. So if, if like I said, if these guys can play lockdown coverage on the back end, I could see them racking up three or four sacks in this ballgame, and that kind of puts Georgia in a third and long situation with an offense that you really don't want to be in third and long, like you said. They must be in third and short this game if they want to have an opportunity to win it. Georgia has to win first down. They absolutely have to win first down if they want to win this game, and I think they will. I think DeAndre Swift has a big day. I think Fromm shines as well. I have to go with Fromm. I know you said it's not like two starting pitchers. Game seven was yesterday. Happy Halloween, everybody. It's not like that, but... What I'm telling you right now is I like a guy starting his third game in this rivalry, which everybody knows is different than Kyle Trask. It's his first look. I like DeAndre Swift needing to make a statement game. I like Lawrence Cager coming back. I just think Georgia is better positioned to win this game than Florida is. Vegas is saying the same thing. Florida is, in fact, a betting underdog. Hey, look, I like what Dan Mullen said. I don't read that much into it. If I was walking into the stadium and the scoreboard read Georgia 6 or Florida 6, Georgia nothing, then I would pay more attention to it. I totally agree with them. But these guys in Vegas, look, they know what they're talking about, and they're expecting Georgia to win this game. I have to agree with them. And, Aaron, here's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a three-quarter game. I think midway through the third quarter, Georgia's going to do exactly what you said might happen. Start to wear down Florida's defense. Florida bottled up, hasn't exactly had those explosive plays yet to give the offense enough confidence. And I think Georgia's defense, one, either forces a turnover when Trask tries to push it downfield, or two, makes a big play in special teams. You said it yesterday, Aaron. Special teams could be the difference in this game. Look, the team that's run for the most yards in the last eight meetings has won this game, which is just an unreal statistic. It's going to come down to the run game. It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to special teams, as boring as that sounds. That's what's going to happen. And I think Georgia scores late and wins this game by double digits. Call me crazy. That's my honest-to-God opinion. It's not biased at all. I like Kirby over Dan Mullen. I like where this offense should be, Georgia's offense, more healthy coming off a bye week, having to kind of answer their critics. And I like Georgia's special teams better too. So, look, it's going to be an awesome game. I am fired up for it. One way or the other, we'll be right back on here Monday, and there'll be some vindication one way or the other. Whoever wins, simply put, has a great route to Atlanta to represent the East. And if you're looking at those last four weeks of the season, shit, Florida's schedule is way easier than Georgia's is. So Georgia's still going to have their work cut out for him. Murray, tell me what's going to happen, because you're a lot smarter than I am when it comes to gambling. I don't know about – definitely not gambling. You're the master of gambling. You kind (laughs) of understand that world. I I think this is – I think Georgia wins it. I I agree. I think they, they win it by just wearing them down. I think you have to win it like that. And I, I see this. I see Florida covering. I see them winning. I see this being a field goal game. I see Rodrigo. Hopefully, yeah. in my mind, this would be awesome. Rodrigo getting some vengeance back from South Carolina, yeah. going out there and knocking a field goal to win this thing. Yeah. So I, that's why I do. I see this being a late score game, late field goal, tie football game to the fourth quarter. Boom! They kick it. We win. Game over, kind of thing. So it's gonna be a fun one. That's 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 the one thing I can guarantee at the end of the day. 
this is not going to be a snoozer. This will be a top three SEC game of the season. I thought Sweet. last week was a top game between LSU and Auburn. Really fun one to watch. Obviously, next week, Alabama versus LSU is going to be an incredible football game to watch. I think this game is going to be just as good as those two games. I like that. I like where your head's at. Kind of reminds me of that 2010 game over time. Wow, that was a battle. It sucked that we lost that game. Uh, I mean, tons of talent on the fields, very evenly matched. Uh, who was their quarterback? Was that John Brantley that year? It was Brantley that year. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wow, that was just a fantastic game. Look, if this game goes into overtime, how sweet would that be? And then Georgia has that experience going up against South Carolina. So who knows? I mean, I, I just— how, how do spreads how do spreads work if you go in overtime? So there's uh I mean spread look if Georgia wins by seven points they they cover they win okay yeah, in overtime yeah it doesn't matter um, but you can like bet I wonder if there'll even action um, there could be some juice money line you can guess will this game go into overtime on some sports books so that could be something to look into if it's like plus eight hundred or something sprinkle something in there and make some cash but uh it's going to be a good game. Aaron likes uh, Florida with the points, but Georgia to win by a Rodrigo field goal, which would be so sick. I'm taking Georgia. I'm laying the six and a half. I think they score late to win by double digits. Speaking of punt, pass, and pick, we're heading into week 10. Wow, we both sucked last week. One and four for each oh. of us. Drew Butler's flipped the field free pick. It's dead in the water. I went with Texas. They got their ass beat. I'm one and three in four weeks. So we're going back to Murray for his lock of the week. I'm 30 and 21 on the season. Murray is creeping up on me. He's 27 and 24. Look, we mentioned in the show open, Georgia-Florida is the game of the weekend. It's the only top 10 matchup. There's only one other top 25 matchup, and it's in Aaron's maybe, I think, your favorite conference of 2019, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, number 15, undefeated SMU. The Mustangs are catching six points at number 24 Memphis. This game is at 730 on ABC. What happens here? I love SMU, and before you tell me what's going to happen, SMU's turnover bottle service celebration is the greatest thing in college football. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Whoever gets a turnover runs to the sideline. They give him a fake bottle of champagne. They have party signs that say, like, go Mustangs and turnover. Everybody gathers around him. He pops the bottle. Confetti goes everywhere. It is so funny, so creative. I'm riding with SMU just because I want to see the turnover What's bottle it? service a couple of times. Well, they're not going to see it much because Brady White's a pretty darn good quarterback for Memphis. Only four picks on the year, 20 touchdowns. Hey, guy, if you're going to watch this game, make sure you tune in and watch Kenneth Gainwell. Dude is an absolute animal. He is all over the place. He's a running back that he's in the backfield. You'll put him at slot receiver. They'll put him on the outside. For Dude, Memphis. He, for Memphis, he goes out there and runs fade routes and catches back shoulder fades. And I'm just like, who is this kid? I'm watching film last week. I'm like, he's everywhere. They love him. He is electric as electric can be. He does the spin move more smoothly than anyone else in the country. So watch out for Kenneth Gainwell. I like Memphis a lot. So give me them with the points. And what's the over under on this one? Um, you know what? Could this be your pick of the week? Let me pull it this up is, for you. So this you're is, laying the six be, and a half. Memphis I'm laying the six. six and a half. Sorry, just six. So you're going to lay six. I will pull that up for you right now, my good friend. Because I think this could be a high, 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 really? high, high scoring game. Yes. 72. They, they know it too. Gosh, darn it. 72 is a little more than I was hoping before, though. You're going to go for it? This is your, this sounds like it could be your lock of the week. Yeah, give me over that one. Okay. I like it. Over That's my lock. 70. 
too. Love it, love it. All right, next game, we're heading out west. Number seven, Oregon. You gave Oregon a ton of love last week, got some national notoriety on social media and throughout the sports media. They're ranked number seven, as I just said. They're giving up four and a half points at USC. The Trojans up, down, up, down, up, down. They are all over the place. This game's at 8 p.m. on Fox. Justin Herbert. Um, looking pretty studly, but do not forget about Oregon's defense. Mario Cristobal mm. has built this team like the SEC teams he used to work for. Oregon's got to keep it hot if they want any chance of getting into the college football playoff. Well, they, they feel the urgency, and I think there's an excitement now for them. It's very similar to kind of when Oregon lost my junior year, and then all of a sudden we got the excitement like, holy smokes, we're in this. We have an opportunity to go to the national championship. You step it up in practice, you yeah. step it up in the film study, and you kind of understand, like, we have an opportunity to be in the final four at the end of the year. If we win out, there's a great opportunity. I think they go in there extremely focused. They're a better football team, playing well in defense. Justin Herbert has been absolutely electric this year. Only one interception, 21 touchdowns. So Oregon takes care of business on the road. I would have to agree with you here. We're on the same side with this one. Oregon minus four and a half. I love the insider information, like you said, Aaron, after their win last week and skating by Washington State, they know and where they're ranked. They know where they're ranked. They have the understanding that if they take care of business and cards fall and they tend to fall each and every week at this point in the season, Oregon will have a good chance to make their well, case and, for the and you have to think play. that uh, you have to think. I believe I'll give you the credit for this one. I think you said this last night when we were talking that the the, the committee wants to put a team in from the West coast. Yeah. You got to have that feeling. They missed that last year or this Oregon team is pretty darn good, like really, really good. And if they're 12 and one, there's a, I would think a high probability of them getting in. Yeah. And, and I said, it. and it's a good conference. I didn't think so at the beginning of the year. I'll, I'll eat my own words here. I said at the end of the year, a one loss pack 12 won't get in, but that conference to me has proven that they're the third best conference in all of America. They're better than the ACC. They're better than the the Big Ten, or the, excuse me, the Big Twelve. I would say SEC and Big Ten are kind of the two top ones right now. And for I think sure. the Pac twelve, the Pac twelve is number three. And and credit to those guys out there for playing pretty good ball on the West Coast. I think you know if 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 they if things hold as they do, a Pac twelve championship game between Utah and Oregon would be pretty legit. I mean, that yep. would be a good game if they both have one loss. I would certainly be interested in that. And the college football playoff committee would be watching. What I also said last night, and thanks for giving me props, is that the college football committee meetings are closed door for a reason, okay? you got to be out of your damn mind if you think that they're in there going, let's just pick the four best teams. Hell no. It's about money. It's about ratings. It's about getting people in and not pissing people off. Pac-12 did not get in last year for obvious reasons. Big Ten has been left out at times. Look, they have to right some of these wrongs. And if it were best four teams, then make it public so we all have an understanding of what arguments are being made. I just think there's a lot more moving parts than most yes. people expect. Aaron and I are on the same side here. Oregon minus four and a half. They take care of business in L.A. Against the Trojans, last pick of the week, just mentioned them. Number nine, Utah, is going up to Seattle to take on Washington. Washington is a home dog here, catching three and a half points from the Utes. This game's at 4 p.m. on Fox. I like Utah's defense, and, and I think, again, this is a team with a great coach, Kyle Whittingham, that knows, hey, if we take care of business, we will have a shot. That's all you can ask for, especially in November. We just need a shot. Continue to take it week by week. 
We always talk to guys from the Pac-12, though, and they say Husky Stadium is one of the hardest places to play in the Pac-12. I'm going Washington here. I think really? Washington wins this football game. I do. I, I, Jacob Eason has played really well. I think that you talk about urgency for Utah. I think there's an urgency for Washington right now. They're five and three. Yeah. And this was a pretty good team with a lot of expectations heading into the season. They can make this season pretty good by beating Utah and they can hang their head on that. Like, okay, we, we, we beat Utah and we can continue kind of rolling down the season and get to a pretty good bowl game. But if we lose this game and get to five and four, I mean, we're, we're going to be pressing to finish the season strong and have an opportunity to go to a decent bowl game. So I like their urgency. I like that the home there for them. It's going to be probably crappy weather. Yeah. Utah's probably used to that, honestly. But still, uh, I think the home field advantage pays off here, and I like Washington win the football game. Yeah, good opportunity for Jacob Easton just to continue building his NFL resume. He's doing well, almost 2,000 yards on the season, 16 touchdowns. Utah does have that stout defense. Just to recap, I'm laying the points with Georgia. George, uh, Aaron is taking the points with Florida. I'm laying. I'm taking the points with SMU. Excuse me, we're all over the place here. You're laying it with Memphis. You like Memphis at home. We're both on Oregon minus four and a half. I'm laying the points with Utah. Aaron's taking the home dog there, Washington, plus three and a half. Game of the week, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, just as it should be. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Again, the game is in Jacksonville, three thirty p.m. CBS. I don't think you'll get a much better breakdown anywhere else because nobody's going to tell it to you in the way that Aaron and I do right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. God, I was so jacked up to get this going. I didn't even tell people to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. I am at Drew Butler 13. Give me some words of wisdom as I head into the weekend, Aaron. And it is Halloween. So happy Halloween, everybody. Happy, happy Halloween, everyone. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I wish I hate these these two bye weeks a year because we yeah. get these weekends where there's just not a lot of good football games. There's a couple here not and there that are, yeah, not much at all. But still, it's you have to enjoy it while you can because we'll be blinking in about two months and the season's going to be over. Yeah, and I, then you're just going to sit on your couch and watch some XFL football, Drew. Just, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to take care of you when you're depressed and My wanting man. to gamble. Well, Wanting to gamble on something, you just gamble on the Tampa Bay Vipers. You are a man of the people, Amory, and I, I am a man. I give them what they want. What can I say? Absolutely. Where are you at this weekend? What game are you calling? I have Cincinnati at Eastern Carolina. Nice. So I will be heading up to, to Greenville, North Carolina uh, Friday morning, and, and luckily it's a 7 o'clock game, so I can still catch on live in action unless it goes to overtime the the georgia florida game before mine sweet sweet well that's gonna do it for us happy halloween everybody we'll talk to you on monday follow us on instagram and twitter at punt and pass aaron's at airmarie11 i am at drew butler 13 we'll catch you next week have a great weekend see you